0: Welcome to Fireside Football, presented by Empire Sports Media. My name is Brennan Carpenter, and I am joined today by the man behind the brand, Alexander Wilson. Alex, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastic. It's beautiful, Labor Day weekend. What is there not to like, my friend?
0: Well, we have football coming back Thursday, so that's another thing to be happy about. And I think it's only right before the season starts to go over our top 10 Super Bowl contenders. Uh, I'm going to start it off here with number one. I think that you know we both probably have the number one uh, choice here in the Kansas City Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl champs. I think they have to be pretty much everybody's favorites going into the season. How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, I, I would agree 100%. When you're looking at a team like Kansas City, they're coming off a huge Super Bowl win. Um, and they have Patrick Mahomes, They're half a billion dollar man, who just bought a portion of the Kansas City Royals. So he's coming into the season, you know, with high expectations, of course, but you know, deservedly so. And they they have a good team. Like there's no there's no question about it. Um, they kept Chris Jones. They have a very solid defense with uh, Mathieu in the backs in the backfield, um, and you know their offense is only going to be better, I think. Uh, except the one big loss for them is their uh, their guard. I think uh, I forget he's he's French, but I can't pronounce his name. Laurent Saint something um they lost him he opted out of the 2020 season so that's a big hit but nonetheless i still think of air the top seeded guys and probably the best chance of winning the super bowl this year
0: how big of an impact do you think clyde edwards hilaire has in his rookie season i love clyde edwards hilaire i i I keep seeing him pop up in my fantasy drafts right because i had
1: like the seventh and eighth pick um in both my leagues so I've been sitting there like, okay, I don't know enough about this guy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so I did some research, watched some highlight videos, and the guy is so shifty. Like, he has the build of a scat back, but he has some power, and he can burst through tacklers. I I like him a lot. I mean, it's it's been kind of interesting to see Kansas City go through this rotation of running backs the past few years and kind of utilizing these late-round guys and somehow getting away with it. Well, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is their guy now, and I think that he's going to make their offense so much better because he's somebody that they can rely on. And he's not going to be, you know, like a late round guy that just kind of pops in here and there and they're just supplementing injuries and whatnot. He is their starter, clear cut. And with Patrick Mahomes under center, they're going to have a dominant year together.
0: Yeah, going into the draft, I was thinking to myself, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is really that one person in the first round that the Chiefs could definitely use from the get go and could definitely help their offense immediately. Who do you have as your number two contender this season?
1: So my number two contender this year, I have the Ravens, and the only reason that I can't say anybody else is because Lamar Jackson's just going to keep getting better, in, at least in the short term, in my opinion, over the next few years, with more reps under his belt, his a better defense. I know the Ravens defense kind of fell off at the end of the year, but they just they got Calais Campbell um this offseason so you know a huge guy on the defensive line what more can you ask for a team that is led by one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now elusiveness i mean just incredible talent lamar jackson is um and you know going back to when he was drafted i never understood why he was dropped so low that you can always work on fundamentals you know that's the thing and and why a lot of people always say take the highest player available take the best player on the board at any given time Because the reality is when you have the physical attributes to be a great player and all it comes down to is working out the fundamentals and technical side of things, that's a coachable thing right? Like, you can coach a player that doesn't have the best technique or fundamentals, but you can't coach athleticism. You can't coach someone to be as fast and elusive as Lamar Jackson. You just simply can't do it. So when it comes to throwing the football, he just needed to adjust some uh, some technical things, fundamentals, and now look at him. He's, he's a, a good po- pocket passer as well as a guy that can scramble out of the pocket and pick up first downs and touchdowns with his legs.
0: Yeah, Lamar Jackson's extremely dynamic, and he's I think, the most dangerous quarterback in the NFL all around, but I do not have them at number two. I have the New Orleans Saints. I don't have the Ravens because they're in the AFC with the Kansas City Chiefs, but with the Saints, you know, I think especially with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, this offense is going to be extremely, extremely good with Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Jared Cook. I mean, they're in line to be... A top five offense i think seemingly easily this season i mean the only thing getting in their way in the playoffs is the vikings so if they don't play the vikings yep. i think that they have a great chance to uh to make a super bowl run i have the ravens at three you have them at two i yeah, have them at reasonable. three because obviously you know like you said lamar jackson extremely dynamic reigning mvp but He's just looked different when they get to the playoffs. I know he he's had a very small sample size. It's only been two seasons, but I, I, he's just different in the playoffs. Or so he seemed. And you know they still don't have an extremely established receiving car uh, core with Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, and Miles Boykin. It's not horrible. It's not great. Now, obviously, their running game is a different story with Jackson, Mark Ingram, and now J.K. Dobbins. I mean, their running game is going, is going to legit. be absolutely— absolutely ridiculous and you know you mentioned some of the defensive players they added like Colias campbell Derek wolf they've added patrick queen out of lsu i mean this defense is going to be mm, very good I as well
1: patrick queen
0: i i, I think he queen. was an absolutely fantastic pick for that defense and he's really going to help them especially with you know earl thomas gone now they're going to have to have some other players step up and make some big plays but there's just something about them that i can't put them ahead of the saints at number two
1: that's fair. I mean, the Saints are a fantastic team. There's no, there's no arguing that, right? And like you said, the Ravens are going to have to overcome the Chiefs uh, at some point, and and, and I, I think they're the only team that can really dethrone them. And it's because of Lamar Jackson, the way that he can take over a game, and you know, w- with his ability to, to you know run out the clock using his legs and keeping the ball in bounds. I think that's what they're going to do against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a fantastic team when their offense gets going and they get momentum. When it comes to them, you have to be very, very strategic with ball management, your t- the clock management, and making sure that you're just burning seconds off the clock. If you can keep them with below twenty points until the fourth quarter, you always have a chance at winning this game, right? This, the problem is they they just have players like Tyreek Hill who can just burn defenses. Um, you know, Hardman. They have Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelce. You know. So much talent there to utilize in every facet of the game. You have to just burn clock, burn minutes, run the football, and use Lamar Jackson to your advantage. The guy is one of the most athletic players in the league, if not the best player uh, at the position, aside from Mahomes, I would say, buying the Royals and all. So I think they're the team that would ultimately dethrone the Chiefs if it came down to it. But the Saints, again, like you mentioned, are a fantastic team. Drew Brees, in his old age is still throwing perfect dime passes. You know, the guy's accuracy is, is next to none. There's nobody else that I can think of that has better accuracy than Drew Brees. And with a guy like Michael Thomas um, and Alvin Kamara coming back, they you know they just had a few uh, weeks of, of contract negotiations. I think they're going to resign him soon. But there, there was a chance that he was going to sit out the 2020 season or just not show up. So I think that they're on a better path now. It looks like he's going to be playing. And I'm pretty excited to see what that offense can do. But I would say it's a, it's a close second and third.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you have the Saints at three? I have the Saints at four right behind the 49ers. Yeah, see, I'm I'm flipped there. I have the 49ers at four. And before I get to that, like you said, the Ravens, I agree, are like the only team that could possibly dethrone the Chiefs in the AFC. And that's why my next four picks on the list are all NFC teams, because I just don't think there's anyone along with the Chiefs and Ravens that are competing in the AFC. But yeah, I have the 49ers at agree. four. You have them one spot above. I mean, they have to be top five, right, after being in the Super Bowl last year? I mean, how could they not be? They did lose Emmanuel Sanders, and yeah. you know they're going to be relying more heavily on Brandon Ayuk, and they still have a great defense, but it, what, what do you think? Do you think they have to be a top five?
1: Well, he, here's what I think. I think they, they should be a top five. They have an awesome defense. We know that. The problem is they were looking at Emmanuel Sanders as— kind of, they didn't have an established wide receiver one last year. They had Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders, but Samuel's is an old horse. You know, he's he's good for what you need him to do. He's a good wide receiver three at this point in his career. They were using him, and they were trying to feed him targets like a wide receiver one at times, and it just was not sustainable. Brandon IU coming out of Arizona State, is a phenomenal receiver, and then you have um, Debo Samuel, who, who was a monster last year, coming out of nowhere. So, I'm pretty excited to see what they can do together. George Kittle, obviously, is factored in. Um, there, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. And, and then they have Tevin Coleman now, right? Yes. So then they have a decent running back. I think with their offensive line, defense, it, as long as Brandon IU can play up to his potential this year, I think that offense has has a lot of potential.
0: See, the thing with me and their offense, though, is I like the 49ers, obviously, led by their defense, um, but... I mean, their offense can put up points when needed, but they're not an offense that can go out and just put up 30 points on you on every single night. I mean, they're going to have their off days, and they're going to have to rely on their defense. And that's the thing that scares me about that team is they're not completely established on the offensive side. Garoppolo is a starting quarterback. There's no doubt about that. He's starting caliber, but, I mean, like, we saw that in the Super Bowl. They were ahead against the Chiefs, and then when the Chiefs offense started scoring points, the 49ers couldn't. So that's what scares me about them. Now, moving on to five here. You know I'm a Jets fan. Former Jet player just got traded to this team. The Seahawks. I have the Seattle Seahawks at number five. I mean, Russell Wilson is magic in the pocket. He's magic outside of the pocket. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And, I mean, the Seahawks are always finding a way to get into the playoffs and always finding a way to be an extremely good team, and, you know, they drafted DK Metcalf last year, who blew up the combine, absolutely blew it up, didn't do much in college due to injuries, but when he got time to play in the NFL, I mean, he showed that he deserves to be on that team, especially in the playoffs, he showed that, and, you know, on the defensive side with, obviously, Bobby Wagner, the best linebacker in football, now you add Jamal Adams, another hard-hitting player, who can do everything? I mean, this team is going to be a force in the NFC.
1: No, you're 100 percent right. They are a very talented team. DK Metcalf, you know, had his ups and downs last year, but well, I think tied with Darius Slayton for the most touchdowns at eight. I think maybe he had seven right behind him. But he's a touchdown There's machine. There's that Giants plug right there. Exactly. I always have to plug the Giants, even though they're going to be nowhere near playoff contention. <laughs> we're rebuilding, so g- g- give us give us another year, and we'll, we'll talk next year about where we're at. But DK Metcalf, like you mentioned, a huge wide receiver. He's a great red zone threat. He's a great deep threat. Route running is a little bit iffy at times. He's not the smoothest guy, but he's so strong that he can win those aggressive 50-50 battles, which is where which is why you know they have a guy like Tyler Lockett next to him, who is a very smooth route runner, who can get his feet in bounds in the corner of the end zone, and Russell Wilson will make the throw. Like you said, Russell, as long as Russell Wilson's there, the magic is alive at all times. And the Giants, or rather the the Seahawks, like you said, their defense is legit. I mean, I would be remiss not to for, not to mention Greg Olson as their tight end too, who they picked up. And then, like you said, Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about two of the best players. You know, obviously they have KJ Wright um, and a bunch of other really talented guys. So I would it would be crazy not to put them in the top ten. Um, and you know they' they're only going to be getting better with this young guy with these young guys like DK Metcalf kind of developing and growing um, and then they have Chris Carson obviously at right, running back and then Carlos Hyde behind him. so I, I would say you're probably spot on with this pick.
0: who do you have at five you have the Seahawks too? Yeah, I have the Seahawks too. What about six who do you close. have right behind him?
1: Okay, so this is obviously a little bit this is going to be more of a of a hot take. I have the bucks.
0: I got the Bucks. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. What do you think? I have the Bucks at seven. But before I get to my sixth pick, what about the Bucks? Have them in your top ten. Tom
1: Brady, just it, like like you said about Russell Wilson, the magic still applies to Brady. You know, even though he's forty three years old, he's on the he's on the back end of his career. He has Gronk back. Look, okay, let me compare the current Buccaneers team to the Patriots last year. Can you name three wide receivers on the Patriots last year?
0: I can name Julian Edelman. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think they had Julian Edelman. They had Philip Dorsett, maybe. I don't even know if he's there anymore. And and Kill Harry, but I think he was injured.
0: Yeah, he was Now out. he's
1: going to – like, think about this, though. He uh, he had James White, right, and Rex Burkhead And in an okay offensive line. He's going to the Buccaneers where he has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin – um, what was his name? O.J. Howard. He has um, Ronald Jones, Adrian Peterson. Now,
0: right? no Peterson went so to the Lions. He has sorry, Leonard
1: Fournette. Leonard Fournette. Like we're talking about a team, and he has Gronk. We're talking about a, a team full of weapons that, like, isn't even comparable to the Patriots last year. Not even uh, closely comparable. The biggest difference for the Bucks compared to the Patriots is their defenses. The Patriots defense is one of the best in the league. No no doubt about it. And the Bucks aren't bad. They're not great, but they're they're probably about like average I would say, which is which is good enough for Brady to win with. I just think their offense is too potent. They have too many weapons for Brady not to succeed, and they're going to be working the intermediate routes. So like Chris Godwin is one of the best route runners in the league. Mike Evans is a guy who can go up and get 50-50 balls in the boundary. Um, OJ Howard and Gronk, like two tight end sets with those guys, it's going to be, un- it's going to be physically unstoppable as long as Brady puts the-, the ball in the money, and we know he always does that.
0: Yeah, I think the Buccaneers have to be in the top 10 just because of the names that they have on offense, like you said. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't have them at 6 just because they're in the same division as the Saints. And I think that's still the Saints division. I still think the Saints are the best team in that division, and that's ultimately going to hurt the Buccaneers... Not necessarily by keeping them out of the playoffs, but I think the Buccaneers would have to be a wild card team then, and that's going to be even tougher for them to get to the Super Bowl, having to win that extra game. For me, it's I, six, I though. Agree with
1: that, but you know, six. Yeah, I mean, th- here's the thing with the Buccaneers: I if they get into the into the playoffs as a wild card team, I think that it's because they're growing as a team. I don't think they're going to start off really hot. I think it's going to take the whole season for them to get into the groove and, and get comfortable and develop chemistry together, and that's why I think they're, they're just going to progressively get better. So they might lose a few games in the beginning of the season, but as the season goes on, they're going to get better and better and better. And I think going into the postseason, they'll be you know probably feeling pretty good about each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Tom Brady is not going to be throwing thirty interceptions like Jameis Winston did last year, so that's definitely going to help <laughs> them as well. For me, it's Big six bats. though. I have a team that's going to it's going to hurt you on the inside. I have the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I I did
1: too, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) The Cowboys, it's tough though, because the Cowboys obviously have a ridiculously stacked offense with Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Zeke, and now CeeDee Lamb. I mean, this offense is potentially top five. But I feel like they're always listed as a top 10 contender, right? And they never get there. I feel like every year they're being mentioned as one.
1: I mean, okay, so here's... Having watched and looked at the Cowboys so many times, because I'm a Giants fan, you know, just watching them play every year twice, it's... The thing about the Cowboys is that their offense is unbelievably good. Their defense just somehow finds ways to lose games. They they just... You have to keep this in mind, right? Their offense is going be to be one of the best in the league. They were the number one passing offense last year. Now that Jason Garrett's gone... Um, I don't think it's going to make a difference personally because Kellen Moore is an absolute genius when it comes to developing schemes to match up personnel and match up against opposition. Um, the defense is what I'm the most concerned about, and the reason is, look at their defensive line right now. Besides Demarcus Lawrence... They have Randy Gregory and a bunch of other like guys that are being like reinstated. Alden Smith, a bunch of guys that are just going to be reinstated um, from drug issues or whatever it might be. And they're hoping that these guys turn into their former selves. The likelihood of that happening is low. The players don't just miss multiple seasons and come back at and play at a really high level all the time. That's, it's not it doesn't really work that way. Now, what I will say is their secondary is also pretty, pretty spotty. They lost um, Byron Jones... This offseason, the Giants were actually looking at him. They ended up with James Bradbury. But now you have a team that doesn't have the best secondary. Their defensive line is composed of a bunch of misfit toys that may or may not actually pan out. So, and their, But their linebackers are very strong with Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Echt. I think that's going to be their strong point. Their linebackers are sick, secondary spotty, and their defensive line could be a hit or miss.
0: Well, I'm actually going to fact-check you here because they did on their defensive line add Everson Griffin and Don Terry Poe. So they have some some additions there they still a little bit guys? they do they do
1: they added Dante poe that sucks for us damn it Dontari um, poe at everson d-tackle griffin, everson
0: griffin at right defensive end opposite to marcus lauren so they have some names there i mean those are still players who good. aren't necessarily at in their prime so we'll see yeah their secondary i agree with though their secondary scares me because with byron jones out their number one cornerback now is chita bay awuzie He's okay. who has shown that he can play but is he a number one? How is he going to deal with the number one receivers, at least in that division? Especially, you know, like, I I, I can't even see him necessarily stopping Sterling Shepard um, consistently.
1: <laughs> Sterling Shepard's underrated. He is. He, the guy put up eight touchdown passes in his rookie year, and then he went through three offensive coordinators, two quarterbacks, an awful offensive line. The guy injuries. He When he is healthy and he has a good, you know, a good quarterback – and a good offensive line protection to get him the ball. That guy is going to be one of the better receivers in the division. You, you you can you can bank it. I talked to this guy um, David Robinson the other day. I was telling you last night, and David Robinson actually trains a lot of the best wide receivers in the NFL. We're talking Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. He even trained Adrian Peterson. He actually was roommates with Adrian Peterson at college. So. A lot of general managers are in contact with him to see free agents, you know, to talk about draft prep, what what guys they should be targeting. This guy is very legit, and he told me Sterling Shepard actually is better on the outside and the boundary than he is in the slot, and he's one of the best route runners he's seen. He's an incredible talent, and they should be utilizing him a lot more, so I'm very, very, very confident that Giants are going to be activating him now. I think he'll be their number one receiver this year. I think uh, Chidabo Ouzier will probably be lined up and shadowing him on an, uh, you know when they play twice per year. So it's going to be a good battle. It's going to be a really good battle. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what they can do.
0: This is turning into a uh, top 10 Giants uh, podcast here. <laughs> it was always but going to be. To be. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Um, moving on to number eight, though, I have the Titans. They were one game away from the Super Bowl last year. Obviously, they are led by the leading rusher last year, Derrick Henry. They will go wherever he takes them. I mean, they have Ryan Tannehill, who they gave a new contract to. He's not going to lead that team. He's a game manager. He won't turn the ball over. He won't pass for 300 yards. It's all up to Derrick Henry. And, I mean, aside from that, I mean... Their defense can be scary good this season. Mm -hmm. We just spoke about the Cowboys' defensive line. I mean, the Titans' defensive line with Jeffrey Simmons, Daquan Jones, Vic Beasley, and now Jadavion Clowney. I mean, they have a scary defensive line for opposing running backs, offensive lines, and quarterbacks. I mean, do you think Clowney—he was waiting for a while. Do you think is going to make a huge impact for that team? Look— Clowney is the type
1: of player who is a solidifying force on the edge. He will stop the run. He will rush the passer. He's pretty much good at everything. His sack numbers, he's like a Leonard Williams effect with the sacks, though. His sack numbers don't reflect how good of a talent he really is. Um, I don't think he's going to get 10, 12 sacks, but he is going to solidify the edge. He's going to stop the run. He's going to do everything they ask him to do. And that's all you can ask for in a player like that. With the Tennessee Titans, you know, they have Vic Beasley, too, kind of underwhelmed with the Falcons. But their cornerbacks are what really excite me. I mean, Malcolm Butler, Christian Fulton, Adoree Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, some veterans there, some young guys. I, I really like their cornerbacks. Um, and, you know, there's there's nothing much to say except for they are led by Mike Vrabel. Vrabel? I don't know how to say his last name. Vrabel. But, I mean, Vrabel. He, he's the, the leading force behind that defense, behind that team. He is the energy, the passion, everything. And he motivates those guys to play above their weight class. And that's what you want in a head coach. He's going to make them better. They're, I mean, I love uh, how Ryan Tannehill went there and actually took that job from Marcus Mariota. I think Tannehill is actually pretty talented. He was just stuck on the Dolphins, and everyone that goes to the Dolphins dies um, talent-wise. So it's really, it, going to be exciting to see what, what Tennessee can do this year with some new pieces in the puzzle.
0: Yeah, I mean, you spoke about how Jadavion Clowney kind of reminds me of Leonard Williams. I mean, I think he's better than Leonard Williams, but I agree his numbers don't necessarily show his impact. I mean, for Leonard Williams, at least, I I gave him—I like to call him the nickname, Almost. He's almost getting a sack, but he doesn't, but he's always involved. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the secondary uh, for Tennessee, their cornerbacks, but their safeties, too, with Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard. I mean, they have a very good secondary— very good. Who do you have at eight?
1: Who do I have at eight? So behind them, I have the Steelers. And I think that's mainly because of Big Ben. You know, it's it's really – their, their roster is interesting because they're kind of like a hit or miss every given year. They have TJ Watt, who's a beast, uh, Juju Smith, Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, um it's interesting. I think that they have a lot of potential there. There's a lot of guys who who I'm excited to see the Giants play them in Week One. So I'm going to get a pretty good look at them right off the bat. They have Devin Bush, who I loved coming out of the coming out of the draft last year. Um, Joe Hayden, obviously. Um, let's see who else they got. They got Marcus Pouncey at center. I mean, th- there's some there's some pretty talented guys on this roster that I we're going to get a good look at pretty early on. But I think they they have some potential to, to surprise some people.
0: Yeah, see, for me with the Steelers is obviously Big Ben is going to make a huge, huge um addition, and I mean he's far better than the quarterback carousel they've had last season. But aside from him, I mean obviously Juju's going to have a good year. I feel like a bounce back. I think Deontay Johnson's going to have a good year as their second receiver. But James Conner scares me. He's a talented running back, but. I don't know. There's just something about him this year. I don't see him being as productive as people are expecting, and I think that's going to hurt them. Um, I mean, Steelers, man. Steelers were like borderline top ten for me. Borderline. Um, I mean, they that's they were they close, Minka Fitzpatrick but. The, Patrick too. Yes, I mean Minka Fitzpatrick that's last year cool. when he, when when Minka Fitzpatrick came over from Miami. I mean, my God, what a second a lead, half of the season, season he had! I mean, oh, he's. Goodness his performance last year helping that defense that's one of the key reasons why i drafted the Steelers' defense in our fantasy league last night i mean <laughs> that defense can definitely definitely be a strong one at nine do you nine. think
1: what do you remember what they traded him for do you remember what they what they traded away to get fence patrick
0: <sighs> i do not i it, it had something to do with they they tra- it had some. i saw it on instagram last night it was something with josh dobbs it all related back to Josh Dobbs somehow, because they re-signed Josh Dobbs yesterday. Um, Let me but, see. I can tell you right now.
1: He uh, So the Dolphins was traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers, so they traded him along with a 2024th round pick and a 2027 7th round pick in exchange for a 1st round pick and a 5th round pick and a 2021 6th round pick. That's a steal. For Fitzpatrick, steal. I mean, they're going to have to pay him, but like, a one, five, and a six—that I mean—I'm kind of pissed the Giants didn't do that. They needed a safety so badly, and like, honestly, the they could have they could have packaged something else together and probably did done like a two, three, and a five or something and got away with it. But this is uh, th- this is he's going to be an absolute beast for the Steelers. I- I'm pretty jealous,
0: actually. I mean, I, that's an outrageous steal because even when he was with Miami, he was a good player. It's just that Miami wasn't good, so exactly he didn't really have a chance to help out a winning team and then he gets over to pittsburgh who was a you know competitive team even with the quarterback situation i mean and he really really helped that team try to make a push for the playoffs
1: i mean let, let, me, let me just this is insane let me just compare this really quickly from 2018 he played 16 games started in 11 for miami right that was his rookie season he had 80 combined tackles two interceptions nine passes defended um, what else? He had a 56.5% completion rate. And with the Miami Dolphins through two games, he was awful. He let up three touchdowns in the first two games of the season. He gets traded to Pittsburgh. He starts all 14 games. He has five interceptions, uh, one forced fumble, and he only allows uh, one touchdown for 14 games after that, after allowing three in the first two games, and a 52% completion rate. He completely... Like turned his motivation, his confidence levels way up, and you'd be surprised. Confidence is such a is such a big thing. This guy was drafted. I mean, he was born in the same year I was. He's 23 right now. He's almost 24. The guy, this guy is so young. He is a staple in that defense for many years to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, those numbers just put it into even more of a perspective about how much of an absolute steal that was for the Steelers and. If there are any Dolphins fans listening to this, I'm sorry, but you, you guys got uh you got beat out on this one. <laughs> at nine Big for time. me though, taking a taking a little bit of a turn here, I have the Vikings. Now the Vikings Vikings. Yeah, the Vikings are tough because back when Kirk Cousins was a free agent and the Jets were involved in his name, I wanted Kirk Cousins. This was before all the Sam Darnold Hoopla and whatever's going on at the Jets quarterback now, but with Kirk Cousins I wanted him, right? goes to the Vikings, he's a good quarterback, but he hasn't... When he came over there, they were expecting, okay, we're going to be contenders. They haven't been. They've been an okay, you know, good regular season team that makes the playoffs. They get to the playoffs. They beat the Saints. Then they lose. So, I mean, if they played the Saints every round in the playoffs, they'd be Super Bowl winners. But, (laughs) I mean the Vikings, the Vikings are always a team. They're not a pretty team to watch during the regular season, but they get the wins. You know, they make the playoffs. I mean, they did lose Stephon Diggs on offense, which originally, got, you know, it's going to hurt Kirk cousins, but they draft Justin Jefferson out of LSU who had a spectacular season with Joe Burrow in the national championship season. But I mean, they're still led by their defense as well. As many of these teams are, they have a very good defense they're always solid, and they, you know, they just got in Ngakwe to pair with Daniel Hunter on the on the defensive line. I mean, this team got better on the defensive line. I don't think their offense is going to take a huge step back with Stephon Diggs gone. I think that Justin Jefferson is going to be able to fill in nicely, and obviously Dalvin Cook at running back is otherworldly if he stays healthy. I mean, is this too high, do you think, for the Vikings? Um,
1: I don't think so. I don't I don't think so because the Vikings are always a team that could be, they're like a boomer bust always. The thing with Kirk Cousins is last year he was a pro bowler. He made the pro bowl. I mean, he he threw six interceptions last year, which is crazy low uh for 444 attempts. I mean, 26 touchdown passes, uh, almost a 70% completion rate. He he wasn't bad last year. You know the biggest thing about Kirk Cousins. He is a good quarterback that is terrible in clutch moments. That's literally what he is as a quarterback he he just he just crumbles sometimes in those clutch spots um but with that being said i think he is very capable of being a great quarterback and leading this team into a, the playoffs with ease who do you have at number nine for yourself uh let's see let's see who do i have at number nine i got the colts i have the colts i think the colts are going to be good with philip rivers i'm a big philip rivers fan
0: I've always wanted to see Phillip Rivers get to a Super Bowl, and it just hasn't happened. I feel like he deserves it.
1: Yeah, I do, mean, do you think he, he- Chargers suck? <laughs>
0: I mean, you think Phillip Rivers makes that big of an impact with the Colts? Where I mean, he doesn't have the arm strength that he used to. I mean, he never had great arm strength, but I mean now it just looks like when he throws it, it hurts him. And I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I don't. It's
1: had a weird dynamics, you know.
0: Yeah, he's always had that glove on his throwing hand like uh, Eli Manning had that, didn't he?
1: Also, he throws sidearm. He, he can throw, yeah. like, he throws a lot of sidearm passes, so it's a very interesting thing. But they they got better this year. A lot they better. Did. I mean, they did. I think with Andrew Luck always being injured and whatnot, having a player, um, I think Rivers is better than Jacoby Brissett. In my opinion, I think he's better oh, than Brissett. Oh, I think, Brissette.
0: yeah, I think, absolutely.
1: So, we can assume that their offense is going to be better. And their defense, I mean... Is one of the best in the league, in my opinion. Then they just add to Forrest Buckner, right? So that's that's a huge add for them. Obviously, T. Y. Hilton is their best wide receiver when he's healthy. So I drafted him last night, and I'm hoping he can stay healthy because he's a monster. I mean, they got Marlon Mack, obviously. Darius Leonard, one of the best linebackers in the league. Um, Who else do they got? They got Michael Pittman wide receiver. I really like Michael Pittman. Xavier Rhodes. They got. They they have a good team. They're very underrated, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I just, I mean, also at running back, you know, they drafted Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they have a three-headed monster at running back with with Mac Taylor, and Naheem Hines. I mean, they have a three-headed monster there, because Mac and Hines in the past couple of seasons have both shown that they can be starting caliber running backs on any given night. Now, you add Jonathan Taylor into the mix, I mean, there's just so much opportunity there at running back, and... I don't know. I think you know I like Philip Rivers. I mean, also by the way, I don't know if you've seen Spectacular Trash Talker, if you've seen those videos. If not, definitely Who? check those out, Alex. Um but Who was it? Philip Rivers.
1: Oh, yeah, he's amazing. Love him.
0: <laughs> the Colts though, I I don't know. I mean, the Colts there's just something about them that I don't I mean, I think they're going to be borderline playoffs this year. I honestly I mean, I think. What'd you say? They're
1: borderline, I agree. agree. Yeah. They're they're probably more on the borderline side.
0: I mean, number 10 for me, too, is borderline because I feel like at number number 9 and number 10, there are a handful of teams that could be thrown into this list. For me, I have the Bills at number 10. Oh, I like that. I mean, the the Bills, I think they're easily the best team in the AFC East. I mean, depending on how Cam Newton oh, yeah. plays, if Cam Newton plays at MVP Cam, I mean, not he's not going to be MVP Cam, but if he plays at good Cam level, the Patriots are going to be the second best team in the AFC East, but I think that the Bills are the best team in the East. Josh Allen has to work on his downfield accuracy, consistency, but I mean, he is a of course. big dual-threat quarterback. He can run. He has a crazy—he has crazy arm strength. And when he's running, I mean, he's like a bulldozer. You don't want to tackle him one on one, even though he's a quarterback. He's a big dude. And they have an elite defense. They have Tredavious White at cornerback who is outstanding. He just got a new contract extension. And, you know, I spoke about the Vikings with my last pick. They lost Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs came to the Bills, definitely going to help them because now they have a clear number one wide receiver john brown had a good year for them last year he can slide to number two i think that's going to help him even more because i don't think he's accustomed to being in number one and i mean the bills i think are just in this top 10 they're not one of the better teams but i think they're one of the most well-rounded teams overall how do you feel about that
1: i feel pretty pretty confident when you just said although i'm going to test you right now what is what is the one jets player that's now in the bills
0: the one Jets player—it's oh, a defensive player. No, it's not. It's not. It Maybe off- it. there's two.
1: Maybe there's two. But <sighs> I know that's one I'm talking about. Specific.
0: Oh, I know exactly you're talking about. Brian Winters.
1: Yep. Brian you know what? Winters. They can
0: have him. They can have him. <laughs> they, can. they can. I'm much. <laughs> I'm much happier with the Jets' offensive line now. Um, yeah,
1: I would be too. I mean, the Bills, though, I'm just reading down their roster right now, and they have some pretty damn good talented players. I mean, they got TJ Yeldon, Tredavious White, like you mentioned. They have Devin Singletary, who I love, Jordan Poyer, Ed Oliver, who's nasty, Josh Norman, they picked up. Um, and I think Josh yeah, Norman's Warren's going to center. actually
0: be very, I think he's going to succeed because he's right now listed as their third cornerback, which I think is perfect yeah. for him right now because ever since that, you know, Crazy play he had to win the Super Bowl. He's been kind of dropping off slowly, you know, a yeah. little bit each season. And I think that the third cornerback spot is where he should be right now for the Bills. It's
1: perfect. It's it's perfect for him. And they got Micah Hyde in, at safety. They got Jerry Hughes, who's nasty. Jake Fromm, who's an absolute joke. Um, <laughs> they got <laughs> Jermaine Edmonds, who's pretty solid. A.J. Epeneza is a rookie.
0: Now, the uh, one question I mentioned. have for them, though. I have one question for their offense, and that's at running back because Devin Singletary is listed as their starter, but I have a strong feeling that Zach Moss is going to take that over at some point. I mean, I don't know if you've been so. following. I don't know if you've been following them, but I think Zach Moss is is going to take that at some point. I mean, he's a very skilled running back, and I mean, at least for the time being, in the beginning of the season, they're going to have two two running backs who can really just you know make moves when they need to. I mean, and then you know behind them they have T.J. Yeldon who. Yep, you know, long time ago in Jacksonville, I had him on my fantasy team as a flex. Mm-hmm, me too. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, that 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 ship has sailed. But I think the Bills are definitely a, a very good, well rounded team. Oh, also, you know, you know, a tight end. They have Dawson Knox listed as their number yeah, one, but underrated, very yeah. underrated. And then behind him, they have Tyler Croft, who's no joke either nice. as a second tight end.
1: Former Bengal. So, no, it's Tyler Eifert.
0: Former Bengal. Yeah, he was with the Bengals. I believe so. Tyler Croft?
1: I know Tyler Eifer was with the Bengals. I'm not sure if Tyler Croft was. He
0: was, yep. Last year was his first year with Buffalo. He had four years in Cincinnati. I'm good. I had no idea. It
1: was kind of like a mistake that turned out right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after all this talk about the Bills, do you have them moving in at number 10 or do you have someone else?
1: I think... Honestly, after talking about the Bills this much, I I would agree with you. They're they're number ten, if not number nine. They have a very talented team. I I think that people are sleeping on them. Bills Mafia should feel
0: good. Now, before we get into you know some discussion about the Jets versus Giants here to to close off, I do have one dark horse team on my list. Not necessarily as a Super Bowl contender, but as a team that I think is going to make a massive jump and could be a playoff team. And we spoke about what'd you say? (laughs) The Giants. (laughs) no <laughs> no 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 we spoke about them a little bit last night during our fantasy draft i think the arizona cardinals arizona. Mm. yep are going to have a fantastic season a i you know it might be a little bit of a stretch but i think kyler murray is going to be pushing for an mvp he's going to have some votes this year deandre hopkins now added with Larry fitzgerald i mean those two guys do not drop passes kyler murray is easily going to have a 95 percent completion percentage to set the record Um, and then Christian Kirk at the third spot, and then obviously Kenyon Drake. I mean, you know, talking about Miami players earlier, when he came over from Miami, I mean, what a difference he made to that offense. And, I mean, there's just so much talent on this offense that it's going to be scary, because Kyler Murray can take off at any time, or he can throw it up for an easy completion to one of those three guys.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kyler Murray, we saw last year how talented he is. And for a short guy... You know, he, he can sling the rock and he has some great accuracy. Very interesting dynamics come kinda of like Philip Rivers. He like slings it sidearm sometimes. Um he played baseballs too, I think. So he has like a very strange mechanics um, with his throwing motions, kind of like a lot of the, n- the more modern quarterbacks are able to do very interesting things with their angles and throwing underneath the arms of defensive ends, rushing them. And then you have the ability to run the football. And like you mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wideouts in the league. Uh, wh- what more could you ask for? You know, Kenyon Drake went off last year. Uh, offensive line will hope feel be a little bit better. Their defense is okay. Um, they added, uh, what's his name, um, Isaiah Simmons. So they have some yeah, really, I love really, really good pieces. Yeah, I love Isaiah Simmons. Of course, I mean Isaiah Simmons is a, is a do-it-all linebacker, um, so we'll see what, what, what happens. They're they're a very good dark colors team. I think that would be the perfect one to go with.
0: Well, yeah, I mean with Isaiah Simmons too. I mean he's listed as a linebacker, but at Clemson, I, I, I'm pretty sure he lined up at some point Safety. at every position on defense. He did every position. Yep. Slot. I mean, who else everything. can do that? I mean, maybe Jamal Adams can play a little bit of every position, but I mean Isaiah Simmons. As a you know, a, I, f- I think he's a bigger player, right? I mean, I don't think he's as fast necessarily as Jamal Adams on the field, as quick with his movements. He's a much but I, but Isaiah Simmons, man, I mean, he can literally do it all on defense. Okay, yeah,
1: he's six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pounds. He's yeah, I mean, big, he's big player,
0: absolute freak of nature. All right, Alex, before we close off here, Jets versus Giants, I want to know your real opinion here: Is Daniel Jones better than Sam Darnold?
1: Is Daniel Jones better than Sam Darnold? I would say at this point, it's really it's too early to tell, but I would say he's better than Sam Darnold, and I'll tell you why. One, he managed to get 24 touchdowns last year, and he had two rushing on the ground. He had no weapons on offense. They were all injured. He didn't have a single game where all of his weapons were available at the same time last year, behind a terrible offensive line. Sam Darnold can't even beat Mono. <laughs> so I don't even know if he can be anything, anybody. I mean, Sam uh, they, they Darnold as a starter. The la- dolphins.
0: As a starter last season, Sam Darnold was 7-6. and six.
1: It's true. So... No, it's, it's definitely true. But at the same time, it, it, Daniel Jones is a rookie, right? So he's a year behind Sam Darnold. So we don't really uh, – well, we have to see this year. This will be the defining year in my opinion for the, right. for the argument between the two. Right. But at this point, I would say – I'm more confident that Jones is going to be – has a higher ceiling based on his rookie performance. Um, Darnold's inconsistency has just showed up too much. Like one game he would be perfect, and the next game he would be making the stupidest mistakes. Um, and, and that's kind of my biggest concern with him. He did the same thing at USC.
0: Right. I mean, well, that that's the thing with Sam Darnold. I, I disagree on the thing when you said that Jones is a higher ceiling. I think Sam Darnold has a higher ceiling, but I think Daniel Jones – has more of a chance to be a consistent quarterback. Because, like you said, Sam Darnold, I think, has more athletic talent than Daniel Jones. But well, that's, Sam that's Darnold, I mean I Sam Darnold, man, I mean, like like you said, he makes some stupid decisions. Like that I was at that game last season against the Patriots when they lost like what, 33-0. He was Oof. After the game, he said, yeah, I was seeing ghosts out there. I don't know what that is. Like, I've never heard that before. What does that mean? That, I, yeah. I don't know what that means. I think that's, you know, we can spooked on the field. I don't I don't know what that means. But I think, I think Sam Darnold has a higher ceiling. I think if he gets his mistakes fixed, he can be a good quarterback. But I think there's more of a chance that Daniel Jones is a solid, consistent starting quarterback for the duration of his career. I really do. I mean I want the best That's for Sam scary. Darnold, obviously as a Jets fan, but I, I think right now I think right now Sam Darnold's better. I think in a couple of years though, I, I I'm I'm scared to say I, I think it's gonna be Daniel Jones. I do. If Daniel Jones cleans that. up his cleans up his fumbles, I mean that was I think to me that was his main problem was holding on to the of football. Course. If he oh. cleans that up, he had a he had a good rookie season. You know?
1: Oh yeah. I mean he... He's a good player, a very, very underrated player that I think, you know, I'll I'll compare it to the Giants' game against the Patriots last year. They lost 35-14. to But just listen to this. And if you don't know the Giants' roster, I'll give you a little insight. Daniel Jones had one touchdown and three interceptions, right? He had three interceptions because I think he threw two of them to Stephon Gilmore. And the reason he threw them to Stephon Gilmore is because this is where his receivers, Golden Tate, who you know is consistent, but he's not a number one anymore. They, he was acting as the number one. Darius Slayton, who was a rookie, going into like his what was it? His sixth game of the season or seventh game of the season against the Pats, right? And then you have behind him Rhett Ellison, who's not a receiving tight end. Elijah Penny, who's their fullback. Cody Latimer, who didn't even record a catch on the day, and then John Hilliman, their fourth string running back. That's who he had to work with. Against against the Pats, still put up. I mean, fourteen points is fourteen points. Nothing nothing to write home about. But at least he got on the board with with literally no talent against the best. They okay. Let me even even further. Daniel Jones was the first recorded the first passing touchdown against the Patriots last year, right? So they hadn't recorded a, they hadn't allowed a touchdown through six weeks,
0: and Daniel Jones was the one to snap the streak. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you love that stat. <laughs> oh, I do. Now, I have have another question here for you. This is going to be—I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but obviously, I mean, Saquon Barkley is better than Le'Veon Bell. That's not up for discussion. Saquon Barkley is easily, I think, the second-best running back in the NFL behind McCaffrey. But I think that Le'Veon Bell is more important to Sam Darnold's development than Barkley is to Jones because Le'Veon can act— Le'Veon can literally line up as a receiver. I think Le'Veon Bell is a better safety net than Saquon Barkley is for Daniel Jones. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, both running backs have their weaknesses and strengths, mostly strengths. Now, Le'Veon Bell, I think, is a, is a better—they're uh, different, totally different style runners, right? This is what I will say about Le'Veon Bell in comparison to Saquon Barkley. He is better between the tackles than Saquon Barkley is because he uses, utilizes a very patient style of running. He will wait for his blockers, he will hide behind his, his guards, and he will use them as shields and then explode through uh, you know, zones. That That is what Le'Veon Bell does, that is what he's made a career out of. Saquon Barkley is not a great downhill runner. He is very good at bouncing the ball outside. He is very good when you give him time and space to make moves. If That's why I love pitch plays with Saquon Barkley, because if you can pitch the ball to him, get a guard out in front of him, even a, a fullback, there's nobody that can stop him. He, he has too much strength and too much agility to be able to, um, you know, to, to get stopped in the backfield. It'll never happen. Now, when what you say um, when Le'Veon Bell is more of, a, you know, a better wide receiver, it can line up everywhere. Saquon Barkley can do that too. I, I watched him um, do it last year. I've seen him in scrimmages this year. Why not line up as a wide out? Um, he can do it all. The, the guy just hasn't been unlocked. You have to remember, he had a high ankle sprain the, almost the entire season last year. He was really hampered by that. It was it was obvious when you watched him play. He was not the same person. I think they're going to really unlock his potential this year with a better offensive line. We're going to see a, a, a player that is worthy of um, you know all the hype that he's been getting and you know the Hall of Fame comparisons whatnot. We're going to see that player this year, and everyone's going to be like Le'Veon Bell shouldn't even be in the picture compared next to him.
0: Well, well, right. I I don't think Le'Veon deserves to be in the same picture as Saquon Barkley, but I'm just saying for the sake of the argument, I, I think Le'Veon is more valuable to the development of Sam Darnold just because of the way that Le'Veon plays and the way that he can be more of, I feel like, a, a, a pitch-down option if everything else breaks down. I mean, don't get me wrong. Barkley is a very skilled receiving back as well, and Barkley is an absolute monster. I mean— he, what does he squat like two thousand pounds you can't tackle him <laughs> one-on-one <that>. but <laughs> something like that you know give or take two thousand. but i mean the thing with, the, like you said giants have a better offensive line this year i'm scared you know Sparkling's gonna put up some ridiculous numbers but the jets have a better offensive line too and the jets don't have an offensive i mean the jets offensive line was horrific last season but now they've made some upgrades like makai becton at left tackle who is a monster, Connor McGovern, to bring over Noah, F- um, Alex Fant, excuse George me, Font. George, George Font, Font, excuse me, um, but, um, you know, th- they have an offensive line now who's not going to be, you know, in the top 10 of the league, I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack offensive line, which is still a major upgrade, and I think that's going to allow Le'Veon Bell to play his game and be more patient behind the line of scrimmage and give him a little bit more time and give Darnold more time because, Darnold. It seems like every single time Darnold ha- had the ball last year, he was rolling out of the pocket. I don't think I. I think I saw him at least 60 percent of the time rolling out of the pocket to try to make a play. And I mean, if you're rolling out of the pocket every single time, every single time trying to make a throw, unless you're Russell Wilson, it's not going to work out all the time. Or Deshaun Watson. But I don't know. I mean, I do. I think Le'Veon's more. Uh, is is better for the development of Sam Darnold than Barkley is for Jones. Barkley's a better running back, obviously. If I was sitting here saying Le'Veon's a better running back, I don't, I, you know, you'd probably fire me right off the bat. But <laughs> no, no. I see. Here's the
1: thing about the development of Sam Darnold. I think that okay. So to stick to stick with the, to actually to kind of stray away from the actual conversation we're having right now. <laughs> What's important for Sam Darnold's development is the offensive line. And I I know this because I've watched Eli Manning degrade because of how bad the offensive line was for the Giants the past few years. Sam Darnold will be ruined by his offensive line not playing well, not Le'Veon Bell. So with that being said, I don't think Le'Veon Bell actually plays enough of a factor to, to even help him in his development. If he actually needs a security blanket over and over and over again, your offense is not playing as it's supposed to. You cannot run the same plays. You have to essentially, for example, the Giants lost last year, so Pat Shermer runs a lot of uh, twelve personnel, so two tight ten- two tight end sets, one running back. When Evan Ingram went down and then Red Ellison went down, he had to axe half his playbook. You know, when you have an, your offensive tackles playing like crap, like the the Jets had. Um, or really the entire line playing like crap, you have to ax a lot of plays that require time in the pocket. You have to go short slants, crossing routes, mesh concepts, um, running the football, uh, screen passes. You can't execute play action well because you don't have time. You know, it completely ruins the entire progression of your offense, which is why the Jets made so many moves this offseason to try and bolster that unit.
0: Right. I mean, this offensive line needs to play better. I think they do. I mean, I think... The Jets' offensive line clearly got better. That's why I'm happy with Brian Winters, uh, you know, going to Buffalo. They could have him. But (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. I I still, you know, to close off here, I do want to say, in my opinion, the Jets are better than the Giants right now. And Alex, I might not give you time to rebuttal that because, I mean, listen to this Jets offense, right? Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell. Michael P. Ryan, Frank Gore behind him. Wide receiver, they have Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman, Denzel Mims, hoping everyone's healthy. You know, the Jets have had a number of injuries already before the season starts. And then at tight end, you have Chris Herndon coming back and Ryan Griffin. That's That can be an okay offense. I mean, that can be better than last year. You know, like, don't you think? I mean, the Giants obviously have Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, but is, is it better than the Jets offense?
1: I mean, let's compare think? it player by player. Like just to the last, the last thing we'll talk about. I think Saquon Barkley is better than Le'Veon Bell. Let's not
0: mention Saquon Le'Veon. We know that one. <laughs> we know Saquon's okay, okay. better. We know that
1: one. <laughs> I'd say Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. I will give them an even split right now. I don't think okay. either is better than the other. You know, because okay. we haven't seen them really. You know, coming off mono, or whatever. I think that it's too early to tell right now who's better. So I'll say, let's say they're even. Tight ends. I think Evan Ingram and Chris Herndon. We haven't seen. What Chris Herndon can really do, so it's hard to tell. We know what Evan Ingram can do when he's healthy. He's one of the best ca- pass catching tight ends in the league. So I'm going to give Evan Ingram just based on potential and knowing what he's capable of. I'm going to give Evan Ingram the the, the advantage there. When well, also Evan Ingram is
0: Evan Ingram is basically a wide receiver lined up at tight end. I mean, he is unbelievable. Yes,
1: that's also true. That's also true. And they got, you know they also got Caden Smith who's looked fo- like really really phenomenal this this uh, off season so far. Then you have wide receivers. So. Jameson Crowder lined up to, against, let's say, Sterling Shepard. I'm going to go with Sterling Shepard every day of the week there. Um, <laughs> then you have Denzel Mims and Golden Tate. Uh, that's tough because we haven't seen Denzel Mims. Brashad Perriman and, De- and Darius Slayton. Perriman is vastly underperformed his draft ca- his draft value. Um, and Darius Slayton had a better li- year last year than Perriman. So I, All I, right, I so would, basically
0: what I'm getting better. out of this is the Jets are going to go 0-16.
1: <laughs> that's exactly
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, all right, I think I think we'll end it there. I'll go. Uh, I'll go. You know, <laughs> sulk in my feelings after this. But Alex, thank you again for joining me on Fireside Football. If any of you Absolutely, haven't followed awesome Alex, if any of you haven't followed Alex on Twitter for any reason, you could find him at alexwilsonesm. You can find me at brendankarpesm. Alex, thank you again, and uh, it was fun. Absolutely, we'll catch you guys later.